Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Patrick Bury, Senior Lecturer in Security at the University of Bath and former NATO analyst is with us. And Patrick, the Hamas has responded to an Israeli ceasefire plan for the war in Gaza with its own suggestions. The fact that they're talking, even if via third parties, could that encourage people that there is going to be an end to the horrors in Gaza? I hope so, Matt. Um, I think the last time I was talking to you, we were speaking about the intensive diplomatic negotiations going on in Paris about 10 days ago with the Qataris, the Egyptians, the Israelis, the US, a lot of the Gulf nations involved, trying to get at that time what looked like a 60-day ceasefire. Um, And then there was a pause. Uh, Of course, we had the unfortunate killing of the uh, U.S. soldiers, which increased tensions. But that was going on in the background all along. And it's interesting to see U.S. Secretary of State Blinken be back out in the region again. And then a day or two later, Hamas come back to this response, which had been tabled by the Egyptians and the Qataris, really, and is supported by the U.S. and uh, Israel. Uh, It's definitely a step in the right direction. I think, you know, you've got to remember that a lot of conflicts do ultimately end in diplomacy and a diplomatic solution not all of them but uh, a lot of them do and uh, and hopefully they're there you can see they're getting into the nitty-gritty of a phased prisoner exchange over 45 days each block uh, where you know increasing amounts of of prisoners would be swapped to build trust and by the end of phase three after about four and a half months the the, the idea would be there was an end of the fighting yeah, one of the plans, or the plan is to exchange Israeli hostages that they captured on the 7th of October for about 1,500 Palestinian prisoners. Yeah, how extensive are the numbers of prisoners held by Israel at present? Oh, well, it's in the, it, I don't know because it's gone up because as a result of this, but it was often in the low thousands anyway, um, just because of the violence that, uh, that was going on there, the low level violence. So I actually couldn't say much. So would, would, are the Israelis that. ever really motivated to swap out prisoners who they might claim might be a threat to them again at some future stage, even to get their own hostages back? They are. And, and then interestingly, what the Israelis are motivated in, and there's an interesting thing that goes on here, is that they're motivated in actually releasing a lot of them for each soldier they get back because that then feeds the narrative that their lives are less valuable than the Israeli soldiers. And that's, at, at the strategic level, a very useful uh, equivalence to set up in people's minds. And so they're definitely, and they have in the past, swapped much like many more like you know i think for one soldier there was uh in the hundreds uh back in back in about 10 years ago uh they they released hundreds just for one soldier that sounds really cynical doesn't it well yeah you could say i mean you could say that the hamas drive a hard bargain but i think there's certainly that element um I think it's about it's a bit of a shaping operation too. Okay, the other things that Hamas is looking for securing the reconstruction of Gaza, ensuring the complete withdrawal of Israeli forces. And is that really likely to happen? Is Israel going to say, sorry for blowing this place to bits, we'll rebuild it for you and at the same time withdraw all of their security forces? Yeah, and that's the bit that I think Joe Biden has said is a bit over the top. Uh, whatever about the, the, the... Well, sorry, it might be the right thing to do, but is it likely to happen? And, and, and not unless there's an international martial plan 
you know that's the, that would be it. it would be the it would be the UN and other international you know governmental organizations uh, stepping in to do it with huge amount of national funding but uh, that's a different conversation at the moment I'm sure there are people working on this track at the moment trying to work out how do we redevelop the, the absolutely destroyed parts of Gaza which let's face it is about two-thirds of it now uh, but uh, you know, I don't think Israel is going to massively contribute to that, I would imagine. And has it effectively been rendered uninhabitable? Parts of it, yeah, absolutely. Parts of it are destroyed. Um, Gaza City, you now we've got the fighting in Khan Yunus. So you can see, and you know, if you use some of the, uh, like the data from the app planet or whatever, you can actually see it in fairly real time how extensive the damage is and certainly like it, there are places where the blocks and blocks are just completely flattened um, and we've seen some of the footage already mainly to do with the size of munitions they've used and the intensity of the bombardment When you have a situation like this how much do attacking forces and this also applies maybe to the Russians in Ukraine rely on international outrage and attention waning that after a period of time they can just sort of almost get on with it because the rest of the world is not paying as much attention. So funny enough, Israel's calculus is definitely that and obviously Gaza has been very useful for the Russians uh, and so has the Red Sea and it's interesting at the strategic level to see the increase in coordination between Iran and Russia and you know Iran's had a hand at least in both of these the the Gaza and the Red Sea conflict so that's another thing to to watch. So Russia sees it yes as a distraction and a highly useful one uh, and Ukraine would be feeling the pinch. Uh, For the Israelis funny enough, they, they usually their operational uh, understanding and the way they design their operations is that uh, as they go into the Palestinian settlements, usually uh, global outrage mounts because the casualties mount uh, and therefore they're aware that they have a time limit on their operations. Now, the thing that is usually influenced by all their other incursions uh, after intifadas but this time, obviously, the attack was so uh, so horrific for them that that uh, sense of running out of time and the sense that political support would only last so long I think has been muted so much and we've certainly seen the way that Netanyahu has conducted the campaign. He's He's been very happy to keep rolling with it despite the huge losses on the Palestinian side. Yeah, and does Israel regard this campaign as being a success at this stage? Because has it actually achieved its objectives of retrieving the hostages or ruining Hamas? I think they've destroyed, they, they think, the Israeli IDF think they've destroyed about two-thirds of Hamas, and I wouldn't be surprised at that, uh, which would be, you know, essentially maybe between ten and 20,000 fighters. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, uh, probably at the lower level of that, maybe 10,000. Um, the uh, yeah so yeah they've 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 their military aim I think uh, is is uh, is on the way to being achieved and the rest they can do with a more tactical uh, and focused counterterrorism campaign a dirty war fought over a long time you know that they've reduced the Hamas's conventional capabilities uh, a lot but uh, in the, the bigger picture whether they're they're going to be safe whether this has actually created another. Um, another generation of people and, and essentially terrorists that will take the fight to them in the years going forward. That's another question altogether. Um, and finally, you still have the question hanging over about what is Iran going to do in the region? I think this is really interesting. It's used the the Israel-Gaza war to exercise its proxies and show that it's a regional power. Um, is it going to back down if this ceasefire manages to come in? Hopefully so. If not, we're in a, we're in a seriously different place uh, than we were before these attacks.
Patrick Bury, thank you very much for being with us, Senior Lecturer in Security at the University of Bath. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.